Prime Minister Chris Hipkins says the government's planning a no-frills budget with a focus on fiscal restraint and the cost of living crisis. His comments coincide with research published by IRD this week, which showed the richest New Zealand families paying much lower rates of tax across all incomes than most New Zealanders. National Party finance spokesperson and deputy leader Nicola Willis is here with us live. Tēnākui, welcome to Q&A. Good morning, great to be here. So the poorest Kiwis don't pay tax, the richest Kiwis don't pay very much tax... Why does National support tax settings in which the average earner, middle-class New Zealanders, are paying the most tax? Well, Jack, as we've said for a long time now, we support reducing the tax paid mm. by middle-income earners. I do want to come back to the report that came out this week, though, because there's been a headline figure bandied mm. about saying that the wealthy pay less tax. But let's be careful to look at what's actually behind that figure because what that figure presumes as income is not income as you or I would describe it. It's not money that's gone into a bank account. It's simply saying the value of assets, the value of businesses hmm. or houses has gone up in value. And that's not been the way that we've taxed in New Zealand. Certainly uh, people whose properties have gone up in value don't pay a tax on that no. uh, each year. But when you look at income, actual income, hmm. the wealthy are paying more like 30% tax, which compares with a middle-income New Zealander of more like 18%. We're talking about capital gains here, aren't we? Let's just, let's just right. not, not, not get any, look for any other fancy terms. We're talking about capital gains. And, and, and the report suggests that the wealthiest New Zealanders make a lot of money from capital gains, at least on paper, but when they, when they realise those capital gains, they don't pay tax on those in the same rates that New Zealanders, other New Zealanders pay tax on their income. Well, capital gains are, of course, something that affect... A lot of New Zealanders, mm. not just the 311 the study looked at. You so, know? so, yep, we'll get to that in a moment. So back to my question, though, because you, you didn't quite answer it. Why does national support tax settings in which the average earner, so middle-class mm. New Zealanders, are paying the most tax as a percentage of their Well, income? I reject the premise of your question because when you compare the tax paid by wealthy New Zealanders on their real income, it's around 30% in average effective terms. For middle-income New Zealanders... Does that include capital gains? To, no, it doesn't. Right, OK. So, so you're talking about income, like, like money that we would be paid as a salary? Money that goes into a bank so account I'm talking about available all, to be all spent, income. Jack. Yeah, available all to income. be spent, because the capital gains, if it's in a business that mm. you're not planning to sell tomorrow... And so, so what happens when the business is sold? Lose, is it? What, what happens when the business is sold? Well, when the business is sold... Do they pay tax on that? No, they don't. Right, OK. But nor do you uh, pay a tax if you sell your dairy, uh, if you sell your... Uh, um, if you sell your KiwiSaver shares, mm. those things don't attract uh, extra taxes either. But and our concern with uh, a capital gains tax, mm. which is where this seems to all be going, I don't know why Labor would be floating these reports mm. if they aren't planning more taxes, uh, is that it actually traps a huge group of middle-income New Zealanders. I think about people who've mm. spent their working lives building up their small business. People have built up that little nest egg, right. who've, who've built up that second property uh, that they've used as a rental. And we worry that slapping them with another tax sends exactly the wrong message about what we want to happen in New Zealand, which is we want people investing, mm. we want them saving, uh, we want them putting aside a bit for the future. Capital gains tax don't stop people from investing in the United States, do they? Well, interestingly, do, do capital gains tax in the United States, as you say, exists, but when you look at their effective marginal mm. tax rates for wealthy people, uh, there's not much of a big difference between us and them because what you see happens in the United States, 
is that some years the value of assets declines mm. as New Zealanders have experienced in this past couple of years. Mm. And that becomes a way of writing off tax obligations mm. against those declines. So this doesn't Australia? just go one way. It goes no, the that, other well, that's way right. Too. Of course, you don't pay a capital gains tax if you've made a capital loss. That's, that's the, right. That's the and difference. so does, yeah. does the taxpayer end up having to refund people yeah. uh, who've made a loss? And there's some real unfairness so that too, you, you've said the government's to blame for the wealthiest New Zealanders making billions in untaxed capital gains during COVID-19. Quote, it's the result of Labor's deliberate, uh, deliberate monetary and fiscal policy decisions. Mm. So if, if that was the government's fault, all of that money they made over COVID-19, why shouldn't the government change its tax settings and get some of that money back? It's too late now, Jack. And what, actually why? what they should have done... Well, because why is what, it too late? Because what they should have done... No, no why, why is it too late, though? Because it would be completely wrong to retrospectively say we're going to claw back income that you earned on the basis that it wasn't being taxed. But if the, if the capital value of um, businesses or properties has increased over a period of time, when they realise those capital gains, why shouldn't they pay the tax? That, because today, Jack, if you were to redo that study that the IRD did mm. between 2015 and 2021, you'd get a totally different result. Because as you know, asset values, house prices have declined quite rapidly. And, and as so you know, come up with you, quite you'd a only pay a capital today. gains tax when capital gains have been realised. Well, um, I don't know that, actually, because I saw David Parker on television during the week and he was talking a lot mm. about unrealised capital gains. So I think that's a big presumption to make. I think the real issue here, Jack, is mm. we're having a theoretical discussion. Mm. The government has not been clear about what they're going to do on tax. All they've done, actually, is throw some numbers at the wall. Mm. I think they have an obligation to say, this is what we're looking at, this is what we're considering, and this is what we're going to do. Because at the moment, there is a huge amount of uncertainty. Well, I think I... You, you may well be right on that point. And, and, and rest assured, we will be very clear in our questioning of the government as to their position exactly. But speaking of clarity, uh, you were John Key's senior advisor during his first term in government, weren't you? That's right. Did he raise any taxes during that term? Uh, during that term in government, uh, he he did a tax switch uh, in which he... Right. That's uh, what David Parker's been talking about, of well, course. Well, but again, no, David no, Parker back, back has to, not set let's out about your taxes record. he wants to reduce. So, 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 so had John Key campaigned on raising GST during that time? John Key had also not campaigned on there being a global financial crisis and mm. the Canterbury earthquakes. Yeah. So the context changed significantly. I don't think uh, the government campaigned on having COVID-19, did they? No. Um, they so, didn't, so, but they did make so, deliberate so to be 100% clear the here, though, No, no, because you, 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 you've suggested over the last 24 hours that the government is planning a secret tax. I, so, I believe they are. You believe they are? Yes, I okay. have been told by more than one source that a proposal has already gone to Cabinet, okay. which would impose a wealth tax on unrealised capital gains. Who's and if that source? is the case, I'm not going to reveal my source. You understand that better than anyone as a journalist. Mm. But let's be clear about what No, no, no. I, I want to ask you about your, your record here. OK, we'll, we'll, we'll ask the government those questions. Them. So given you are the one raising the spectre of secret taxes, mm -hmm. but you were the senior advisor to a Prime Minister who raised GST despite having previously ruled it out... Why should we trust you? Why should we trust me? Yeah. Because I've been really clear about what National is going to do on tax. Just, just as John consistent. Key, when you were his senior advisor, was really clear about not raising GST until he came to government when he raised GST. Well, I think New Zealanders uh, made their judgement 
and re-elected him accordingly. So that was for New Zealanders to judge, and I don't think that uh, they judged him poorly for that you, choice because what he delivered yeah. was something I believe in, which is raising he allowed, taxes despite having ruled it out. He allowed New Zealanders to keep more of what they earned. He reduced taxes for working people. That's overdue in this country. Well, not, today. not GST though. He, he raised GST though. I've accepted that, Jack. Yeah. The point is this. No, no, we, that, that's the point. He, he, he said he wasn't going to raise GST. He raised GST, which disproportionately affects people on lower incomes because as a percentage of their spending, they, make mu they spend much more GST compared to wealthy in New Zealand. But today I don't let, let me ask this about tax. You said you're going to remove the Auckland Regional Fuel Tax. Yes. Do you still support congestion charging? We are talking to the government at the moment about a proposal for congestion charging, and we want to be constructive about that. Right. Because as we look to the future for New Zealand, it's clear uh, that fuel taxes are going to have a limited life because more mm. and more of us are driving electric cars, are choosing to use public transport. So we need to find other ways to fund our roads, to fund our transport So, so that is a potential congestion tax or traffic tax that you would consider... Well, if, what you're we in, would if you're in government. Well, what we would prefer mm. uh, is if a congestion charge was going to be introduced, uh, that the quid pro quo would be uh, the removal of the regional right. fuel tax. So, we, so, we so that's a tax that you would... I mean, I've been on your, your party's tax calculator on your website mm. and you've shown how much New Zealanders or Aucklanders will save by losing the Auckland regional fuel tax. You haven't included a congestion tax, which is something well, you appear to be considering. Because we're not currently... Uh, proposing that as part of the way we will fund our fiscal plan. Right, but well, 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 you have, you have on that calculator, no timeline, though. No timeline has been put forward. I think New Zealanders would want us mm. to be constructive about a conversation mm. about the medium and long term of transport funding here. Mm. And we're prepared to be bipartisan about that uh, and to be very transparent about that. But the government, to be fair, are the ones with the officials, the analysis yeah. about when this is needed, how much it will generate, etc. And I haven't seen all of that information. Did, did any national MPs get surveyed for the research? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but to be fair, I haven't asked and mm. nor would I. Some of the richest New Zealanders have made significant donations to National. A quick look at your donors from last year reveals multiple rich listers, 24 donators, uh, donors donated $2.3 million. How have their interests affected your position on tax? They have not affected my position on tax. Why should we believe that? Because you just need to look at what we are focused on. We have You're focused on said, not changing the tax settings for the richest New Zealanders. Let me tell you what I'm focused on, rather than you making a presumption well, that's, that's, about it. That, that's I'm focused true, though, isn't on it? how can I ensure that New Zealanders who are really suffering through the cost of living can keep more of what they earn? How can I ensure mm. the tax system sends a message that if you work an extra hour, if you take a promotion, you deserve reward? That's why we've put forward our plan to adjust tax brackets for inflation. What I'm also focused on is those young families who I know are doing it particularly tough with childcare costs and housing costs. That's why we've put forward our family boost policy, mm. which will put up to an additional $75 a week into their family budget to help them with childcare costs. Our priorities are clear mm. and we are focused on working people. But I want to tell you this, if what we want to do in New Zealand is bring the bottom up, we will not do that by taking the top down. Mm. We need people here who are prepared to invest in businesses that employ people and create good jobs. We need people who are going to be creative mm. and entrepreneurial and take risks. We need people who want to bring money here and build things, invest in new technology, mm. invest in new ways of doing things. And those, that creates and those people ultimately, as per your value system, will not pay the same effective tax rate 
as the middle income. Well, you and I have a disagreement on that because mm. the numbers I look at tell me that they pay about 30% as an average effective yeah. tax rate, whereas a working New Zealander today pays about 18%. But I want to point out, a working New Zealander in 2011 was only paying more like 15% as an average effective tax rate. And that growth in how much tax they're paying has happened under Labor. Would it be good for New Zealand if house prices started going up again? Look, of course, that depends on who you are and your circumstances. Mm. Would, would it be good for young, New Zealand, though, as, as a whole? Well, I think for New Zealand as a whole, our house prices have become inflated over a long period of time, and yeah. that's led to a situation where too many people are locked out of the housing market. But I think of that young couple mm. who scrimped and saved to buy a home a couple of years ago. They watched it collapse in value, and their so, struggling so to, to be, pay their mortgage and to, to say really to them, clear. I want your house to decline in value yeah. would seem incredibly callous. OK, so I'm not asking about declining. I'm saying mm. would it be good for New Zealand if house prices started increasing again? I think it would be good for New Zealand if house prices stabilised in relation to income. So mm. uh, I think there'll be a lot of New Zealanders who would be hoping that their house would go up in value but would also be concerned we need this to be a place where more people can buy a home. Mm. And, I, and I really believe that. So I want to see... The ratio of income to house prices yeah. stabilises over time. Okay, that means so, so growing incomes and not having these extraordinary leaps in house prices. I, I think everyone agrees that that instability is not is not good for New Zealand. Mm. So, so what impact will your changes to the bright line test and interest deductibility have on house prices? We think the major impact that those changes will have is they will reduce pressure on rents. Right. And that's really important. But what to will us. they do to house prices? I'm not sure that they will have a particularly big impact on Do you on have any prices. evidence to back that up? No, it's not a question that we've looked at. We've been looking well, why, at it. Why wouldn't you look at that? Given, given, given you were the one who just said you, you're concerned about New Zealanders who've been locked out of the housing think, market. Because, because Jack, logic would tell me that I don't think it is going to add to house prices. Actually, when the government introduced those changes, it was right at the time when house prices took off. So there's no mm. evidence that they've had an impact in terms of putting downward pressure on house prices. Well, what there since is those changes have come of, in, we've seen a massive drop in house prices, haven't we? But that happened subsequently. It didn't happen immediately. And what we've also seen is a huge leap mm. in rents paid mm. by New Zealand But you, you don't have evidence. I'm concerned yeah. about that because if you want people to be able to buy a home, they need affordable rent so that they can afford to put a bit aside for a yeah. deposit. So by my sums, your tax cuts will cost uh, more than a billion in government revenue, so from the government's perspective. Let's think about the state of our healthcare system at the moment, the state of our education system, our roading network, the fiscal impact of an ageing population, mm -hmm. the impact of climate change, the impending cost of managed retreat. How is it credible to fund tax cuts without significant cuts to services or a substantial increase in borrowing? The first thing we have to do is put this in some context. So the government's tax take since 2017 mm. has increased about $43 billion mm. a year. Our tax package will cost less than $2 billion a year. So you're looking at less than 5% of the overall uh, increase mm. in revenue that the government's had. So we believe that we can both afford to fund frontline services in health and education, mm. ensure good investment in infrastructure, and provide some revenue reduction. The key to it is this. Yes, we will have to be a lot more disciplined about government spending, about mm. funding new initiatives here and there. We will have to reduce the cost to government of running itself, of right. paying for consultants, of the number of uh, communications advisors and HR advisors. You, in the you can save $2 billion a year in that. We can certainly make the savings needed to fund our tax programme.
Will you stop contributions to the super fund? No, it's not my intention to do that. The way that New Zealand uh, looks at our net wealth position now, mm. uh, those contributions to the super fund are looked at in the whole of, of how wealthy mm. our, our government is. And so there is a case for them. I do think it's prudent and responsible to always be looking at, is that the best place to mm. be putting our dollars now? Um, but my intention is that we would continue Okay, just to, I, because we, you want to play the rule-out game for the government with the CGT, so I'm going to play that with the super fund. Well, only fund. because they put out a massive report okay. this week and let their revenue minister go out there and, so, so uh, and raise expectations that, that, Those are questions for him and them, and we will be, be sure. sure to put them, put them to the government. But just yeah. to be 100% clear, you're ruling out stopping contributions to the super fund. Yeah, I am. Immigration is running at an annualised rate of 100,000 people. It is a significant economic driver, as you know. Where would it be under national? Well, the challenge with giving you a number on this, and I know that you really want us to give you a number on this, and I know Michael Wood hasn't given you one either, the Immigration mm. Minister, is that it's difficult for any government to assess how many New Zealanders will come home in any year, how many people will come from Australia. Mm. Uh, and then when you look at the number of um, workers that are coming in, at the moment, we're running quite flexible schemes. We've got that green list scheme, yep. which we're big supporters of, which says if you're in a skill shortage category, you can come. That's not capped. We wouldn't want to cap that. So right. that inherently means giving you a concrete number is challenging. OK, OK. Let me ask this then. More or fewer than the current settings are to allowing for key, at the moment? To me, the key consideration... We have to be nimble on this, is yeah. where our unemployment level is. Right. Because if we're getting into a situation where many New Zealanders can't get paid work, then I think that's when you've got to tighten up your immigration right. settings and make sure you don't have people uh, from other nationalities, mm. uh, from, from offshore, competing for jobs that Kiwis need. Will you commit to allocating the money required to buy enough carbon credits to meet New Zealand's Paris Agreement targets? Well, look, I am concerned with the way that the government is managing its climate change funds mm. because we have an emissions trading scheme mm -hmm. that I believe is a really smart tool. Yeah. It's bringing in about $1.2 billion a year. It's, yeah. it's variable. But by the Prime Minister's own admission, a number of the schemes that the government's then spending that revenue on have been very, very low impact. OK, that, that's, again, a question for them. I want to know your position. Will you commit to allocating the money required to buy the carbon credits that are required to meet New Zealand's Paris we don't know. Targets? We don't know what that will be yet. No, we don't. This is the whole so, point. So, so you won't commit to it? Well, the way that the Treasury runs its rules and the government is facing exactly... Uh, the same set of rules as we will face, yeah. is that if there is a specific liability mm. that you face, then that must be treated as a, as a contingent liability in the books. Yeah. We will make sure we adhere to all of Treasury's uh, accounting requirements. Right. But that doesn't sound like a commitment. To, oh, will we, will we pay our international obligations on yeah. climate change? Absolutely committed, Jack. Okay. Absolutely committed. Uh, new modelling this week shows the cost of Cyclone Gabrielle to horticulture businesses in Hawke's Bay is $1.5 mm. billion. Mm. Those, uh, that industry is asking the government in Hawke's Bay for $750 million in assistance. What do you think is an appropriate sum? Well, uh, I haven't had the opportunity to get the calculations that the mm. government will no doubt be going through. What I have had the opportunity to do is talk to our candidates there, uh, Katie Nimmin mm. uh, and Catherine Webb, and what we've seen really clearly is that there are businesses who, if they don't get a bit of assistance now, 
may never get up and running again. No, it's it's very serious. I mean, that $750 million is a And there's a, a few people who have sum. a role to play. Right. The banks have a role to play yep. because actually I think they should keep the back of those businesses who've actually been good and productive for many years and are going through a rough patch. I think the insurance companies... Uh, have a role to play. Mm. Uh, and then I think the last yours is resort the, is Yours government. is the party of regional New Zealand. That's what yep. you've told us. So I want to know what you think is an appropriate sum. Ballpark. An appropriate sum for the total amount of funding for, no, for, for go businesses. From government to support. Well, as I say, Jack, that will depend on individual circumstances. And I have A total had... sum. So, so they want $750 million. I'm surprised you don't... You haven't focused on this. I mean, this I, is... I am this focused is, on this, so, so they want $750 million. Yes. Their modelling says that the total sum's going to be $1.5 They want mm -hmm. government to stump up for half. What's mm -hmm. the National Party's position? Well, we think that the government has a significant role to play uh, and we need to make sure that the criteria are fair, mm. that they are evenly... What's the total that sum? they are evenly applied. Well, if the businesses are asking for $750 million, then it's not going to be more than that that government should contribute. Could you work with Mr Peters? Well, uh, we will see whether the voters want him back before we make that decision. Nicola Willis, thank you very much for your time.